Welcome back to the Sermon Recap Podcast. This week, we sit down for discussion about Matthew's sermon from the second half of Genesis 2. As we stumble through what Josh called a comedy of errors, mostly on my part, we answer whether Adam and Eve were real people. We talk through some of the barriers that we can have to men and women being in community with one another in the church, as well as barriers that we have to men and women using their gifts in the life of the church. We wrap up our discussion with a conversation about whether there are any hints about the complementary differences between men and women in Genesis 2. It's our sincere hope that this conversation will be edifying for you. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at info at tracecrossing.org. Now, on to the podcast. Take two. Take two. Um, This is going to land a little bit differently this time. It's the podcast where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Uh, (laughs) Very true. Remember that time Avery forgot to record himself and we 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 bantered for like three minutes? It's not recording again. Just kidding. Stop. We had this awesome banter when we first started. But Avery's mic wasn't recorded. Well, now we're just bantering about bantering. So, uh, yeah, whatever. Ryan Stiles, Wayne Brady, Colin Mockery. <laughs> I, uh, I, it, it feels a little bit like doing the uh, the second sermon, you know, where <laughs> you have all the same jokes again. Sorry, second uh, servicers. <laughs> they just don't land. So yeah, uh, right. I had a I had a good line about how we're back in the in my office and the Trace Crossing Podcast Studio, which is very social distancing unfriendly. But we've tried other locations, and this just seems to be the best. And we just want to let you know that when we have a choice between uh, podcast production quality and our physical well being, we will choose podcast production quality every single time. All right, so, so assuring. Yeah. that was so much funnier the first time. It too. was, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it really lost all of its flavor the second time. So, anyway, um, Matthew, uh, last Sunday you covered Genesis two, the back half of that. Uh, you covered the creation of woman. Um, you've already covered the creation of man, um, creation of the world. One thing we want to just kind of get out there and answer um, is a question of. Were Adam and Eve real people? Were they um, just as real as, as you and me, or were they more literary, um, hypothetical figures, theological ideas, or do they have some sense of realism to them? Yeah, sure. It's And you may be hearing that question and think it's strange because it's it's something you've assumed your whole life, and it's something that we have assumed as we've been preaching through these initial chapters in Genesis, and we've been assuming their historicity because we believe in their historicity. We haven't we haven't discussed it uh, because we don't believe that that is you know currently something that uh, a, a lot of folks at Trace Crossing are wrestling through. But it is an important uh, observation to make. It is an important thing to affirm. Um, there are others who would say that Adam and Eve were. Uh, literary figures. So, you know, they were written into this story, or they would say even maybe they are genealogical figures. They There are others who say they're theological figures, and so they are used in all these different ways. Um, but in terms of their historicity, there are some people who, uh, uh, accepting evolutionary theory uh, at face value, 
reject the historicity of Adam and Eve and do not believe that they were actual people. Well, here at Trace Crossing, and for me personally, our staff, we, we believe that Adam and Eve were real people. We believe that they existed in time in history. Do we believe that they represent things that are, are beyond them? A- absolutely. You know, we believe that a lot of things happen through them and in them, and we learn a lot through their experiences, but we also believe those experiences were real. We, we believe their conversations, what Josh is going to get into this, this coming Sunday with the temptation of, of Eve, we believe that that is an event that, that really happened in time. And so we, uh, yeah, we easily affirm it. It's uh, not just something that we affirm today and then maybe next year we're like, oh, you know, let's, let's reconsider this uh, because of other passages like Romans 5, uh, the historicity of Adam, Adam being a historical figure is, is really important. Uh, Paul makes a direct connection to the historicity of Jesus with the historicity of Adam. And, and so uh, it's, it's one of those doctrines that, that are, are, that is, that is more crucial than others. And so we, we believe it to be true and it's important for us. Yeah. And to that point, Matthew, we'll see from this week that, uh, what really happened to them and their temptation and their fall into sin is something that is, um, historical. And as a result, we receive all of us actually this sinful nature, just like Adam and Eve. Um, but I'm going to be focusing primarily on what we can learn by looking at the episode itself, what we can learn about sin and temptation and uh, our desires and how we often give in to the temptation to rebel against God and go our own way. And so technically speaking, I could I could preach that as if Adam and Eve are just allegorical or mythical. Uh, you can still learn from parts of Scripture that actually are... Uh, you know, not not uh, historical, like Jesus in, in telling his parables. We can learn from those things that he says that are not actually historical. Um, but in this case, even though I'll be presenting it that way, it doesn't mean that what really happened to them didn't really happen to them. We have to affirm that, and the Scripture's clear on that. So, No, that's, that's so true, and, and a point that Augustine actually brings up uh, related to the historicity of Adam and Eve Um he points to Paul's use of Sarah and Hagar whenever he interprets them allegorically, you know, he's like, just because he interprets them allegorically does not mean that they were not historical figures. And so that we can make a lot of theological claims about, you know, uh, Adam and Eve, Adam is the the head of the human race specifically uh, without denying that he was an actual person who lived in time. Yeah. Yeah, it can be tempting, I know, with, uh, you know, a lot of details missing from that uh, creation account to think, oh, maybe that didn't really happen to them, or maybe, you know, this is just uh, a literary event. But, um, yeah, it's there, there's definitely something that happened to a very real Adam and Eve. There was definitely a fall, and um, that much is, is clearly affirmed by Scripture, and uh, especially the rest of Scripture. Um, so, Matthew, this week you talked about um, community, uh, you touched on some, some parts of, uh, community life in the church and how, um, it's, it's so crucial for us to have community with one another. You also talked about how, um, men and women, um, are complementary and made for, uh, community with one another. So, 
One question I might have is, what are some uh, barriers that we might have um, for community uh, between men and women in the church for, for us to be able to use our gifts to serve one another and participate in community life in the church together? Yeah, and that's a really important question. And if, if you miss the sermon, in the sermon I emphasize not only the importance of relationships and that we are created in a specific way to live in community. Adam was within the presence of God. If you're, if I'm not recording, by the way, I'm, I'm, this podcast is over, Avery. Uh, Are we good? Oh, I'm going to have to edit all this out, but go ahead. (laughs) Feel free. Feel free to leave it in. (laughs) Um, Forgive me. Uh, But uh, when we're emphasizing community, uh, the Lord then, in response to Adam's loneliness, he's in the presence of the Lord. He he has a relationship with the Lord, and and yet we see in verse eighteen of chapter two that that he is lonely, and the Lord observes this is not good. And the Lord's response to that is not just to create any other human; He creates a woman specifically, and it just shows us that humanity images God uh, best as male and female, and so it highlights the, the necessity of both men and women. And so, yeah, when we start making those applications and, and Moses himself draws an application to marriage in this passage. And so we did draw that, that out as well. Uh, when we start thinking about society as, as a whole, we start thinking specifically about life in a local church. What we see is that community flourishes best when men and women are not only both present, but active um, and and using their gifts, using their calling, living according to their callings uh, within those communities. Uh, but as you said, we, you know, as leaders have to be on guard against anything that would, would be put up as a barrier to men and women thriving together. Um, I think that one barrier that we could put up would be uh, stereotypes about men and women in in church life, and so we we think of of men serving in specific kinds of ways, women serving in other specific kinds of ways, and and we press that to the point that uh, women are limited to only serving in in these ways, or men are only able to serve in these kinds of ways. For example, like if you have a church nursery, uh, you know, women are supposed to serve in the nursery you know, we think. And so women are just kind of relegated to that part of the church. And so all the women may be served together and then all the men may be served together. I think even too, as helpful and important as men's and women's ministries are, we can press those too far too. And we can say, you know, men, you know, are going to going to be together, ministering together, serving together in this way. And women are going to be over here in this group. Uh, what we believe is that Scripture is very clear about the roles of men and women in the church, that men are, are, are the, the role, the office of elder is reserved for, for men. Um, it's very clear on that. But we need to be very careful about, about, you know, creating new roles that Scripture does not give or pressing them too far. I, I think it can, it can limit uh, what men and women can do together as one example. Yeah, I think we're doing a good job of that. I mean, our women just... <laughs> got together and went to a jujitsu class. <laughs> That's you know, so, so true. we're definitely breaking those stereotypes for sure. No, but seriously, um, at least in my experience, I've been really encouraged at Trace Crossing uh, because it seems to me that while we're upholding uh, a traditional uh, and orthodox view on men and women in the church, 
We're not seeking to overextend uh, those prohibitions and those commands that are given to us in Scripture, uh, but really using wisdom where the Scripture doesn't speak, and I've been really encouraged uh, by that. Um, I mean, obviously, we're not going to be perfect, and there's there's more we can do to encourage men and women in the roles that God has uh, clearly given in the home and the church, uh, but we can also probably do a, a better job of not overextending those. Uh, where we notice that we are doing that, we should uh, back away from that and just be, just be, I think, proactive and intentional about empowering everyone in the church, men, women, and children, to use their gifts uh, to glorify God and, um, you know, uh, obviously <laughs> upholding those uh, and, and obeying those commands where they are there, Yeah. Um, but not overextending them. And I've been really encouraged by that. Yeah, me too. I want Drew Carey's thoughts on it because uh, you, you know, obviously serve as our uh, family discipleship pastor. And even though this year has just been very different and, and you've, you've had to make so many adjustments uh, in, you know, a normal rhythm, you have, you know, a lot of teaching roles, you know, whether it's teaching students, teaching children, uh, you, you do have child care. And there are a lot of, of women, at least in my experience when I was in this position, uh, women that would be in this, in those roles, you know, and you wouldn't see as many men. Like, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on women and men serving and using their gifts in the life of the church? Yeah, so it, I think it's, Children's ministry, student ministry, I think is a great place for both men and women to serve. I think that's one one area where um, that intersection uh, is is great. I, I think that the men and women are able to to do that. I, I think um, I, honestly, I think that children um, and students are benefited when both men and women are serving. Um, I think it gives them a good picture of what church life is supposed to be. I think it helps them. Uh, here's here's just facts here. I don't know if everybody knew this. We have both boys and girls um, <laughs> in both children and student ministry. Yeah, so we need um, we need good not just role models, but a good um, voice from the scriptures from both men and women for um, for boys and for girls. You know, we we don't want um, you know our boys to only be taught by women. We don't want our, our girls to only be taught by men as as children. We want them all to be to be brought up together and to uh, to have that presence together. So, yeah, and uh, and also. As far as um, uh, the way that we involve uh, uh, both men and women in the church, I would hope uh, that, you know, for any, any ladies who might be listening, uh, we might could hear from you too. I would hate to know that we're like, well, boys, I think we're doing a pretty good job, <laughs> you know, and then in truth, not, you know, the ladies not feel like uh, we've, we've uh, helped hey, them. I acknowledge we, we probably <laughs> still have some so, work to do. We're not perfect for sure. But yeah, and yeah. Just, we all need to be speaking into these issues together. Definitely. That's, that's right. So, that's true. Yeah. All right. I think uh, Josh has um, some more questions about um, men and women. So I'm going to let him uh, wrap that up with his question. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it, uh, it naturally follows from what we've just been talking about um, to, to talk about the prohibitions that we do see in the New Testament and to see the design unfold in Genesis 2. And I, I will say I really appreciated your instinct in the sermon to say, look, this is not a sermon on Ephesians 5. It's not a sermon on 1 Timothy 2. 
uh, which are those sort of key passages, among, among others in the New Testament, about the roles of men and women in the home and in the church. Uh, but we need to focus in on Genesis 2. Um, at the same time, we do have those New Testament texts that help us to understand Genesis 2 better. And so this is probably the, the proper context uh, to talk about what Genesis 2 actually does teach us about the roles given, the distinct roles given to both men and women in creation. And I guess maybe could you specifically speak to the, the idea or the notion, the belief that's out there that those roles came as a result of the fall, and, and thus they're just something that God tolerates um, throughout the Old and New Testament, much like divorce, you know, um, are those are those things that came as a result of the fall, or or are they a part of God's good creation? The roles given, and um, and what does it look like for Adam to to have been made the the leader and guardian protector, and and Eve the helpmate? You know, what it, maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I'll answer some of those questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, it's 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 an important consideration, and even if even if we are guided by you know, a New Testament ethic or theology on this issue, we don't need it. Um, Even if we just limit ourselves to Genesis 2, what we can see basically, and this may sound really simple, but when God created woman, he created someone who was, and this is what I brought out in the sermon, who was like Adam, who was human, who was, you know, equal in dignity and worth and value, and yet different from him, you know, and so... And not just in biology, you kind of mentioned that. There's the obvious thing, but it's not just limited to biology. Yeah, it's not, it's not just limited to biology. She, she is created to, to be for Adam what he lacked. And so Adam was lacking something. And what the Lord saw is that he needed a helper who was fit for him. And so, so Eve is created as this helper. And then we can, you can't avoid it. I mean, there is a direct, you know, connection within the text itself to marriage, you know, so, you know, without even thinking about men and women in general, just thinking about the relationship between husbands and wives, you can at minimum say here that there is a sameness, you know, that that exists within marriage, and there's also distinctness. There there are distinct roles that, that come out of this. And it also makes sense because Adam and Eve are created, we are created in the image of God, you know, and and God is a, you know, tripersonal relational God. We have Father, Son, and Spirit who are who are co-eternal, who are equal, and yet and yet serve different roles. For just example, in creation, in in the uh, salvation of of sinners, uh, have have different roles in that. So, yeah, even just within this, uh, we do see that men and women have different roles in in marriage, and and yeah, men. Men, of course, especially when, once we do bring in Ephesians five and some some other New Testament passages, we we see that that husbands do lead. They're called to lead and 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 love their wives as as Christ loved the church, and and wives are called to to submit uh, to their husbands in the same way that the church submits to Christ, and all of that you know, painting this beautiful, glorious picture of the gospel of a relationship between Christ and and the church. Love it. I listened to a uh, conversation with Jackie Hill Perry, which um, those of you who are listening, some of you may have heard of her, and Rosaria Butterfield, and they were talking about some of these issues. And one thing that Jackie Hill Perry brought out, which I thought was just a, 
beautiful point was the fact that she struggled with this idea for a long time. The idea that men and women were were created with with you know equal worth and dignity, but with distinct roles because. She had never really been taught or led to understand the beauty of God's original design, the beauty of these complementary roles, which you know we obviously call the theology of complementarianism. You know, um, she had never really you know grown to see uh, just how beautiful it was, and once she was able to see the beauty of God's original design, it was more palatable for her uh, to understand. Uh, you know, these, these distinct roles have nothing to do with capability. They have nothing to do with uh, worth or importance, uh, but they are complementary ways in which, like you said, we uh, reflect and represent the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's something that we need to be thinking about as complementarians. You know, we need, we need to be thinking about how can we at every turn, when we have this conversation, when we're talking to people, whether it's from the pulpit or whether it's just one-on-one conversations, how can we emphasize the beauty of God's original design? It is beautiful. Everything that he made is good, and that includes men and women in their distinct roles. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's really clear from Genesis 1 and 2 that um, men and women uh, are best able to live out God's creation mandate together, um, you know, when contributing uh, together. So, yeah, well, unless uh, unless you guys have anything else, um, we're are we going to do an improv sketch to end? No. Did, did you <laughs> did you record it though? Um, I did record. I did record all of it. How many points do we have? Um, <laughs> five. Five. All anyway, right. I got to work on my Drew Carey impersonation. All right. Uh, so with that said, this has been another episode of the Sermon Recap Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we hope to hear from you soon.